Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. It's Rob. This is Diabetics Doing Things. Boy, do I have a story for you today. And ironically, it all started with an ad. Uh, so I'd like to introduce you guys to Aya Saruda. She works for the Conservation Corps, which is part of AmeriCorps, and she essentially goes out on hitches for up to 12 days at a time in national parks in southern Utah to repair trails and work on conservation of the parks. She's taken an amazing journey growing up on the West Coast, going to the East Coast, back to the middle of the United States and the Western United States in Utah. I'm not doing this story justice. Please put your hands together, wait for this quick ad from the American Diabetes Association, and enjoy this talk with Aya Suruta. Hey guys, I'm going to use this ad portion to create a little bit of awareness on something that's very cool, and it's put on by the American Diabetes Association. It's called hashtag health equity now, and you can search that on social media. It's the American Diabetes Association's new Health Equity Bill of Rights, that, which provides steps to building a future without unjust health disparities. So you can actually go uh, and take action online. I did it. It's uh, If you go to diabetes.org slash health equity now, you can go and they, they pre-populate an email to your governor and they automatically do that. So no matter where you're from, you can go to diabetes.org slash health equity now and you can send the Health Equity Bill of Rights to your governor. So I did that. It sent to Governor Greg Abbott, and it just outlines all of the health disparities that people with diabetes, especially communities of color, face in the United States, and that we want to vote, uh, and we are creating awareness with our representatives to make sure that they try to change the legislation, provide more opportunities. Number one on that list is the cost of insulin. So if you have diabetes, you should take a minute and contact your governor, uh, even if you're not in the United States, just put Texas because that's important to me, diabetes.org slash health equity now and check it out. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Diabetics Doing Things. We are telling the amazing stories of people with diabetes from all across the world. And I have a very special guest today calling from a very remote location. And we're going to talk a whole lot about that today. Uh, Aya Saruta, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, thank you for joining us and also going to extra links to making sure that uh, you have <laughs> Wi-Fi for this interview. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it feels weirdly or weird, but great to, to be connected because <laughs> I'm usually not not so connected to to the rest of the world. Well, I mean, super excited to kind of pick your brain on that as well, because it's something that I think about being a very hyper connected person, almost chronically connected to uh, <laughs> social media and the Internet and, and the like. Um, absolutely. But without Digging too deep into that just yet, let's talk a little bit about your life with diabetes, and then we can shift over to this super unique story that I'm very excited to share with everyone. Sure. Sounds great. Great. So let's talk about the, let's go to diagnosis. How did you come to join this type 1 diabetes family? Yeah. So I was two years old um, when I was diagnosed. So I actually don't even remember. <laughs> um, my mom, she's an incredible woman. She, uh, I think, started to notice that, you know, the typical things you, you think of when you think of a diagnosis, like uh, going to the bathroom a lot, eating a lot. Um, and so she took me to the doctor. And actually, the first doctor she took me to said I was totally fine. Um, and she being a, you know, mother's instinct was like, I don't think so. Uh, so we went to another doctor and I was diagnosed then. And I think it was February of when I was around two years old. So, or when I was two years old, not around. Um, and I've been sort of living with it since then. And I don't really know a life without it. So, um, it's pretty much a big part of who I am. Yeah. It's, it's always interesting to talk to people who were diagnosed very young. 
because there's mm-hmm. so little we remember about the time of our lives in general. And I think the further away we get from it, the the more common it is to just not really remember anything. So you've mm-hmm. really never known a life without diabetes and that, uh, you know, hearing it from people such as yourself seems like, you know, there, there's not a little bit less of a sense of loss at that point. Yeah, definitely. I think I've had like, you know, moments of curiosity and, you know, what would it have been like, but I almost feel lucky that I, I don't know what it's like to not have it. Um, just cause I don't really know what I'm missing. Although, um, I, you know, I can try to imagine. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I've had moments where I, I sort of, you know, gone through even like, you know, like the preteen years, you sort of, I, I'm sure others have gone through it, but this like denial period of like, ah, I'm a teenager, I'm invincible, I don't have diabetes, what are we talking about? <laughs> right. And it's um, so hard to be different at that age. Uh, and you're going yeah. through so much other stuff outside of just diabetes. So uh, yeah, totally understandable. I think it's a very tough time for most people. I was diagnosed right in the middle of that period at being 16. Mm. Uh, fortunately, kind of over the, you know, rebellion against my parents, but certainly had some uh, you know, emotional, hormonal swings during that time that uh, didn't, yeah. didn't serve me so well. Yeah, definitely was tough during the preteen and teen years. And um, I mean, and I even to this day, like diabetes, I don't think, you know, it's easy for anyone. So um, it's definitely been a journey. Um, I've been through a lot of ups and downs throughout my my years with this disease, which pretty much is my whole life. But um yeah, I, I learned something, you know, new about, you know, how to control and just my body, you know, every every day. So we can only do our best, right? <laughs> that's right. And I think that's super important, especially in times like these where so much seems outside of our control and there's so many other factors and many of us are still sheltering in place or, uh, yep. you know, preferred shelter at home uh, as COVID-19 continues to sweep the globe. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, have- sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, just to say, yeah, having a sense of control is definitely important when it feels like everything's out of control. So <laughs> hopefully, you know, with all this extra time, other diabetics are also, you know, getting more in tune with their bodies um, and having some extra time to really pay attention to what's going on. It's been interesting for me. I mean, on that same note, most of my days now are the same, which is usually not the case. I'm kind of an on the go, uh, you know, traveling or uh, you know, doing different things, doing things all mm-hmm. over, uh, you know, the, my, where I live in Dallas and with my friends or, you know, with the diabetes community. And I've noticed, and it's been this time, this season of extreme slowdown and a lot of familiarity and it's been, uh, oddly comforting in some ways. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, I can totally see that. And the job I'm into, which I know we're going to get, get into, also sort of helps with that. And it's a big reason why I came out here. So, yeah. So let's talk about it first. Where are you calling from? What, uh, and, and how, <laughs> uh, and, and like, let's give a little bit of context to, you know, why you're out there and how, you know, this, where, where this call is taking place. Cause it's not technically where you live. Right. So I'm currently based out of Cedar city, Utah. Um, it's in Southern Utah, um, about, I would say like 40 minutes outside of Zion National Park, um, pretty close to Bryce as well, if anyone has been there. And maybe like uh, three hours from Las Vegas or so? 
Yeah, two to three, depending on how fast you're going. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah, so I'm in Cedar City. That's where my office is based out of. Um, I'm currently, right now, um, in one of my uh, co-workers' homes because they have Wi-Fi. Um, typically, I'm not home very often, not home in Cedar City. Um, so the, the house I'm living in, it's a, a bunch of people who are in my organization, uh, which is a conservation corps. Um and since we're not home a lot, um, you know, we don't have sort of those extra things like Wi-Fi and stuff that um, we wouldn't, you know, really need when we're only home for so so few time or a few days in the month. Um, but yeah, so I am here in Cedar City. Um, we're in Utah working on essentially natural resource and land management, um, also under the guise of conservation. Um, I'm part of a conservation corps. Uh, there are, uh, most states have their own conservation corps and a lot of them, um, either work sort of independently or through AmeriCorps. Um, so our program is through AmeriCorps and, um, in a nutshell, we're all working with various project partners, um, of different land management agencies. So think National Park Service, um, Bureau of Land Management, uh, Forest Service, and then a lot of, um, state services or agencies that have a lot of different projects, um, various projects that have to do with conservation, whether that's trail building or uh, trail maintenance, habitat restoration. Um, there's so many things that go under this sort of umbrella of conservation. And essentially, they um, hire us to help them with their work, because otherwise, it's usually one person doing all the work. And that can be, be a lot. Um, and so we go out on what we call hitches every, every time we go out into the field, it's called a hitch. Um, and we're out there for up to 12 days at a time in a row. Um, so we're working out there, we're camping out there. Um, and then we come back to wherever our homes are. Um, I, I have a house here in Cedar city that I rent out. Like I mentioned, other people, um, love to roam around and just like live out of their cars, which I think is really cool too. Um, although, you know, currently with the, the COVID situation and I'm sure it hasn't been as fun. Um, but yeah, so we're back for a proportional number of days. Um, and then we go back on the field again. So that's essentially what my life is currently. Um, I'm a crew leader, um, which means that I'll be leading a group of four, um, sort of COVID pending, um, through the summer and, uh, fall seasons. And right now we're in training. That's super cool. And I have tons of questions. So uh, <laughs> I hope you're ready to dig into, to it a little bit. Um, yeah, absolutely. So this, I, I you know, first of all, my, my, my brain goes to how did you come across this and experience it and, and learn that this was what you wanted to do? What was your introduction to, uh, you know, getting as a part of the core and going on your first hitch? Yeah. So I feel like I've, I've told this story a few times to some friends and family and every time it gets longer. So I'll try to keep it <laughs> a little bit short. Um, but just so from, so for some additional background, um, I actually like you, Rob, I'm, I'm from the advertising world. Um, I was in, um, I, I was in a small agency in Boston and I moved into a bigger one. Um, so I spent about three years in the advertising industry and I really loved it. Um, I was in uh, the strategy group, also known as planning, um, really thought it was interesting work. Uh, but unfortunately, I had a couple of bouts of pretty serious burnout, um, which 
sort of spiraled into uh, some mental health issues as well. Um, and it really freaked me out. It was really scary. Um, I had some like, you know, small mental health things here and there um, that weren't as serious beforehand, um, but it got pretty bad. You know, I had to sort of take leaves of absences um, and it was really starting to affect my work. And so the second time it happened, um, I sort of really took some time to think and, you know, realize like, I don't know what's going on, but like, Maybe it's the city, maybe it's the work I'm doing, but I really have to do something different and, and try something new, especially while while I'm young and I have this opportunity to sort of be selfish and, and focus on myself. Um, and so the irony is I was, while I was doing that thinking, I was just scrolling through Instagram, you know, as we do. Like you do. Um, yeah. <laughs> and I, I kid you not, I got a targeted ad. Um, I got a targeted ad that said something like, um, you know, do you want to explore a job in the outdoors? And I sort of went down a rabbit hole. Um, it took me to essentially like a, almost like an Indeed or LinkedIn, like job posting page, but for the outdoor industry. Um, and then I saw this, uh, Utah Conservation Corps position. Um, I did, I, I, I took a lot of thought, you know, I think I, I talked to a lot of people. I talked to mentors, I talked to friends. Um, and, uh, yeah. So in terms of the decision to do it, so, you know, I went through the interview and all that, um, asked a lot of questions. And I think that being a diabetic was actually a huge part of my decision of, um, of getting here and, and deciding to do this. Um, at the beginning, it was almost a reason why I might, I, I would maybe not do it because, you know, being out in the field, um, where the closest medical attention is like a helicopter right away, you know, mm. freaked me out a lot. Um, even things like, you know, how do I keep my insulin cold in the desert? How do I, um, make sure like, what if I run out of, run out of sugar? Um, I can only pack so much honey and like bars and, you know, all that stuff. Um, especially when projects are backcountry and we're backpacking, you know, like 10 miles into our campsite and our work site. Um, so a lot was going through my head, um, when I was, uh, applying and thinking about it during my interview, what was great is that I, um, expressed some of those concerns. I was pretty nervous about bringing it up, but, um, I expressed those concerns and the operations director at the time, let me know that, you know, oh, like we have this, you know, like stone cooler that you can dig into the ground in the desert and it'll keep your insulin cold. And we've done that before for other members and leaders who are diabetic. Um, and the fact that even like one person had done it before who was a diabetic, uh, made me feel so much better. Um, and so that was, that felt good to know that, you know, others had done it before. And then when it came to the actual like sort of go time, like I had the offer and it was either like I said yes or no. Um, that was that in itself for like from a, a life and career perspective was a really big deal for me. Um, I feel like for most or like if not all my life up until that point, I had a pretty clear trajectory of, um, you know, my parents were uh, really encouraged like education, went to, you know, university, um, and then made sure I had a, you know, stable job right after college, was sort of in this corporate world and like climbing the corporate ladder. Um, so going from that to this entirely new, like not even in an office, um, just like, so, so different, like that decision in itself, um, took a lot of thinking and the way diabetes actually um, played a part in that um, 
I think it's twofold. One is that I think in general, diabetes has made me sort of try, like makes, it makes you realize like how fragile life is. Right. And, um, so it gives you that sense of like, you know, I'm going to try new things and like life is short. Like I want to do something new. So I think that was part of it. But then the more sort of, uh, I don't know if technical or like, uh, I don't know what the right word is, but, um, so my, I'm on my mom's insurance. So this is going to give away my age. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but, um, so I turned 26 next February. Um, and my mom is a nurse at a Kaiser. If any, if people are um, familiar with Kaiser, it's a big hospital chain on the West coast. And I've been so, so lucky to be under her insurance. Um, just have saved, has saved me so much in terms of costs, uh, especially, you know, with all of our supplies and how that adds up. Um, and you know, that insurance compared to, um, uh, the insurance that I would have gotten through this program. Um, it's pretty much the insurance I would have gotten through this program is very minimal. So I felt like this was really my last chance to do something like this. And I still sort of do feel like I, I think this will probably be my first and last core. Um, that doesn't mean I, I'm going to, you know, leave the industry or anything, but in terms of this specific program, since it is a volunteer program, um, you know, we get, like pretty much like a living stipend, um, not very sustainable for, especially for someone with a medical condition that requires, um, a lot of prescriptions and stuff. Um, so the fact that I knew that in one year I wasn't going to have the financial ability to do something like this, I think was a huge part of my decision. It was like literally now or never. Um, and so that coupled with just the support that I got from friends, um, and mentors, even mentors in the corporate world. I think that was really important to me. I have uh, one mentor who's incredible, um, works for a credit union um, in Oregon where, where I, uh, my parents live or where I grew up. Um, and he was like, oh, you have to do it. And the fact that someone uh, in the corporate world was telling me, like, it'll be okay and like you can make this mm-hmm. jump, uh, I think that was really important. Um, so it was, you know, I couldn't do it alone. All of this came from a bunch of different um sources, whether that was my diabetes or my friends or my family or mentors. Sorry, that was very long. <laughs> no, no, that was great. And, and I think honestly, maybe the greatest story ever told that started with, I got an ad, which, <laughs> uh, you know, just maybe there is some good in the advertising world. Uh, right? That's left to be had, right? <laughs> nothing like good targeting, especially coming from a fellow strategist planner. There's nothing better than good targeting. Um, Absolutely. But yeah, like I got to I got to ask like again, I still have so many questions of like you you lived a pretty I guess I would say like normal like career like very similar, very relatable to me like going straight kind of doing what you're told, right? Going to doing good in right. high school, going to college, going getting a job, like doing well in your career and mm-hmm. and yet and then completely shifting and obviously having the need and feeling the call of the wild, I guess is for for lack of a better term and uh, needing to change and then seeing support and getting support from uh, you know, not only your friends and family, but your mentors and, and your close circle. Um, what was it like? What were the steps like? You just like pack up all your stuff, give it to, you know, leave it at your parents' house and, and then just hit the road. What? And, and from <laughs> then, like, you know, you're out on these, on these hitches and you're in the wilderness. And I think, you know, even when you and I were scheduling this meeting, I didn't really understand exactly how remote you were going to be until we had to reschedule this interview. And you're like, oh yeah, you know, in four weeks I'll be here. So let me see what I can do with my time. <laughs> and I, I was like, oh, like this is a serious off the grid type conversation. Yeah. Um, that's a great question. How did I do it? Huh? (laughs) Um, yeah. So I was living in Boston. Um, I 
packed up almost all of my stuff. My my roommates are still there, so I could lucky that I could leave some of it. Shipped a lot of it back home to Oregon. Um, another thing is like I, I knew I wanted to like live on the West Coast really more permanently, so I knew I wanted to shift everything here, which is why I moved everything from Boston to Oregon. Um, yeah, like logistically, I guess like I had to like I had to get a car, like I had to get all this gear. Um, there's a giant gear list. Um, so I did a lot of like research and, uh, shopping around that. Um, and then I, yeah, I literally just drove down. (laughs) I drove down to Utah, uh, from Oregon and it was all sort of just like regular logistical stuff. Um, I had to, I was sort of working remotely a little bit to finish up my projects from the agency, um, in the meantime, and then sort of making sure I was mentally prepared for it. Um, I actually met, um, someone in Oregon through another friend who had done a similar core experience. So I talked to him a little bit about it, but, um, I don't know. I sort of, I feel like I just like threw myself in there, I guess. Yeah. And I think that's, that's such a huge part of it, right? Like you just kind of have to jump in with both feet and, and, you know, burn the ships, I guess, as they say, uh, you know, and, and go and, and make it happen for yourself. Yeah. Um, I did tell my endo (laughs) that I was doing this. (laughs) I was just like, Hey, like, uh, yeah, (laughs) I'm going to be out here. Um, and you know, they didn't have too much to say. They were just like, you know, that's great. Um, they gave me, they sort of refreshed my memory in terms of, you know, what happens in the case of pump failures. Um, luckily I haven't had to deal with that yet. Um, there wasn't, yeah, there wasn't too much. It was making sure I had all my supplies. I, I sort of make sure I had more than I needed. That's a big thing on Hitch too, is just making sure they always recommend, you know, bringing three times the amount of medical supplies that you'll need for anyone across the board. Mm. Um, so making sure I had all of that. Um, well, that yeah, was, and then that I- was going to be one of my next questions as well. Like when you go out on a Hitch, you're 12 days with nothing, uh, you know, and very isolated. What is, what does your diabetes pack look like? Yeah, um, a lot of supplies. <laughs> um, so let's see, the last hitch I was on was eight days in the field. And so I bring um, all of my pump supplies. Um, I use a Dux, uh, sorry, a tandem pump. Um, and so, you know, you know, catheters, everything, like everything that um, goes goes with the pump supplies. I also have a Dexcom um, CGM, which honestly, I don't even know if I could do this without the CGM. Uh, so I'm very, very grateful for Dexcom. Um, but I bring extra Dexcom supplies. Um, and then I have a glucagon. I bring, um, two, two to three meters. Oh my goodness. The first time, one of the first times that I went out on hitch, um, my Dexcom was being finicky. Um, and so I had to check my blood sugar using just my meter and it was so cold that all of my meters died. (laughs) I brought like, I think I brought four meters, um, because I'm sort of crazy like that. And I, I overpack and they all died. Luckily I just kept one in my sleeping bag for a few hours, like close to my body. And, um, it was just the cold that got to the batteries. But now, I mean, now I bring extra batteries cause I know that'll happen. Um, because my tandem and, um, also my phone, I have to like my, my Dexcoms through my phone. I have to bring extra battery packs. 
uh, to make sure that those all stay charged. I have uh, one solar one, and then I have one like Mophie. Um, I'm trying to think, and then like so much sugar, <laughs> so much sugar and bars. Um, I've before this, I didn't really rely on honey that much, but honey's sort of been like my my secret you know, sugar thing that works immediately. Um, I bring the honey everywhere. I sometimes go on runs when I'm on hitch too. And I, the honey just like sits either like in my leggings or like the little bears, you know, um, or I have like a brace that I use my arm that I just strap it onto, which has been pretty convenient. Um, and then usually bars for protein. Last hitch, I made a mistake of not bringing like a nut butter. Nut butters are awesome. Sometimes I'll just squirt some honey on a spoonful of nut butter um, and that'll do it with the protein. So yeah, a bunch of different sort of tips and tricks, I guess, that I've been learning throughout of what works and whatnot, what doesn't work or what works better or faster. I think one thing outdoors for me that makes me feel better is just knowing something that works fast because um, – you know, like it's sort of scary not being near, right. near a medical facility. Um, so yeah. And then like insulin, I don't know. I feel like that I should probably honestly have, I should probably have a list, <laughs> like a, check, a checklist if I should be more organized about it. But I sort of just the weekend before hitch, I lay it all out, count everything, you know, make sure I have it all. And then we sort of go off. And, you know, like you said, it's it's interesting, people with diabetes, right? Like, you'd think we would need, like, a very disciplined list. And some people do, and props to them. Uh, but I'm kind of <laughs> like you, where I just have, I, I'm like, I eyeball it, and I'm like, mm, this is enough. And we just kind of <laughs> go from there. I, yeah. uh, I took a four-week trip on military bases uh, when I was playing basketball. And I, like, I brought about one and a half times is usually my, uh, the math that I do is like, okay, if I'm going to be gone this amount of time, I multiply that by one and a half. And then that's the amount of supplies I need. And fortunately I was able to fit it all in like a little kind of roll away, uh, travel bag, uh, and stuff it in my backpack. Mm -hmm. But I found on that trip is that I had more things to carry than everybody else. So do you find that, you know, as you're kind of living out of a backpack or living out of a tent that you have more to carry and it's a little bit burdensome? Yeah, definitely. Um, it's just like an extra, checklist item. Um, luckily I haven't had to do any backcountry trips so far. They've been, I mean, they've been out there in remote locations, but they've been front country, which pretty much means that we still have our, our trucks with us and we're not hiking in. So I think, um, some of our summer projects are backcountry. So once we do that, I'll, I'll definitely feel like the physical weight of all of that, um, adding up. Um, and so I made sure that all of my other gear that I purchased was like super, super light. Cause you know, walking with, 30 to 40 pounds on your back. Um, you know, plus I think the, the, probably the heaviest thing would be those Dexcom, um, inserters and then also just like the honey and the food, the extra food. Um, but yeah, it's definitely like, there's a lot, even like without diabetes, I think there's a lot you have to do to prepare as a core member. Um, you know, you have to be able to sustain yourself out there when there's, sometimes there's no running water like sometimes you know there's so many things that we don't have out there um and so we you always have to be extra prepared so it definitely is like an extra checklist item even when we're we travel like between the campsite and the work site and every morning like you know making sure I have all my diabetes stuff is is part of that whole like mental checklist so um yeah I mean I guess like relative to people who don't have diabetes it's probably burdensome but I feel like I've been doing it my whole life and I've learned from the times that I've been like yeah I'm not gonna check this time that like no I gotta check this time right 
yeah, sometimes they're just like, oh, well, this is how I feel, but uh, better make sure just, just to uh, just to really make sure that I've got everything I need. Yeah, definitely. I think like one thing um, that's less like physical, but more mental, um, I've had to be definitely a, more um, open and like communicate sort of what it's like to to have diabetes on hitch to my other leaders as well. Um just because, I mean, you know, it's hard to, you know, understand if, if you've never had it before. Sometimes, like, I'll take a little bit longer um, than others because, you know, I've forgotten something that has to do with, you know, my diabetes or I'm changing my pump set because it failed. Um, and towards the beginning, I think people didn't really understand, like, felt like I was just, like, taking my sweet time. Um, but that wasn't the case. I just, like, you know, unfortunately, during, like, you know, cause this is always how it happens, but like every time we have to go somewhere, my pump fails or like, <laughs> <laughs> or something happens. And so that's something that I've, I've realized that it's better to just, um, just educate as much as possible just so that people do understand. Cause you know, most people don't mean, mean harm or anything. Um, they just don't understand. Um, and to them from the outside, it just looks like, Oh, like I is just, you know, taking her time again <laughs> and making right. us late. <laughs> Yeah. And I think that's always tough, right? Is like most people don't have any experience with diabetes. Um, and you know, I think back even to myself, I had very little going in and for certain didn't have any idea what day-to-day -day management was like. Um, mm -hmm. but I, I kind of want to shift away a little bit because uh, I think you've done an awesome job of talking about diabetes, uh, as it relates to being isolated and being out, uh, in the wild. Mm -hmm. But I, I'm curious as well as to like your the the rest of your life like the your the whole your whole person out on the you know on these hitches. What's been I think the most impactful thing for you as you you know wake up and you're out in the you know on a hitch and you're not going to your corporate job and you're not mm -hmm. dealing with emails and we you know weekend work and living for the weekend and then redoing it and going back into the office on Monday. What what has been a you know your experience there and then B what have you seen out in the wilderness that will that will like stay with you uh you know long when this is long in the rearview mirror of your life? That is a great question. <laughs> um yeah, in terms of the general impact of going from corporate to to outdoor life, um, I think before I came here, I really struggled to slow down whenever I was doing anything. And mostly what I was doing was work. So it was just like work, 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 work. And I, I loved it, which was great. But it just, I mean, there's a reason why I burned out twice. And I didn't know how to slow down. I really didn't. Like, um I just felt like I always had to be producing and be productive um, and, you know, achieving something. And <laughs> um, that's something that I think my coworkers saw too. And my, I was really lucky to be in agencies that were great about um, making sure that we were taking care of ourselves. Um, but even with that, it was all my fault. Like I did it to myself. <laughs> um, so I think being outside really helped me slow down or, made me slow down, sort of made me realize like there's not like things aren't ever that urgent, <laughs> especially in the corporate world. <laughs> no offense to anyone, people in the corporate <laughs> world. <laughs> no, I, I um, often feel that way. So I feel I, it's, it's very relatable. Right. Like if, if, you know, this ad doesn't go up, oh my gosh, like no one's going to die. <laughs> right. right? Um, so I think that was 
one big thing is like slowing down. Um, and a big part of that is that like we actually have time out here. Um, and what I mean by that is, you know, I don't, I'm sure you feel similarly like just in, in that, that advertising and marketing world, but you're sort of like always thinking about work or I was at least, um, even when I wasn't working, I was always thinking about work. Um, or it was so easy to just like hop online when I was home and just finish that one thing, which then turned into another thing and spiraled. And then, you know, I was before I knew it, I'd be working until 10 and, um, you know, my bosses definitely did not encourage that. Um, they were great. Um, but that was just, you know, part of what I did here, like your, our work is so defined. Um, it is maintenance trails. It is applying herbicide to make sure that the native species can actually grow and the invasive species do not. Um, and then when we're done, we're done. Um, and the time, our off time is like actual off time. <laughs> right. Um, and there's no guilt associated with that. Like I struggled with like guilt for like taking paid time off. Like, I don't know. I was sort of weird. Um, no, but I think it's a really real thing. And it's something that I actually was thinking about, uh, about this time last year, actually, because I was in New York and I was there on work and it was during the day and I was hanging out with one of my really dear friends who, uh, is, is a doctor and she, uh, is doing her residency in New York, and she's friends with a type one diabetic doctor named Mike Natter, who uh, is is in worked at the same hospital as she did. So she arranged for us to meet up, and I got to meet Mike, and we were talking, and it, it occurred to me that their off time as physicians is so much different than mine uh, mm-hmm. as as a person who's just an advertising person or a podcast person or an Instagram person. Like I can pop up my computer or my phone and work at any time. And when they're outside mm-hmm. the hospital, they can't work. That's you know, yeah. if they can do research and things like that, and certainly that's a part of it. But it occurred to me that there's clear work-life balance um, guidelines for them than there was for me, and it made me really think about like what other uh, industries that was the case. And this, you've certainly stumbled across one that's very, very clear. Like you're, you can, it's it's very difficult to work from your bed on, you know herbiciding trails, right? So you're not going to let that creep in and kind of infringe upon your private time. Yeah, exactly. Like even if I wanted to, I couldn't work (laughs) unless I drove out for some reason (laughs) to back to our, to our work sites. But, um, yeah, so I think that was, that's a big part of having that time, um, that you're devoting to yourself and what you want to do outside of work, um, and then another big piece of the time is the fact that we're so disconnected when we're out there. Um, our last two hitches, sometimes we have service, but most times we don't. Um, and I feel like, you know, if, if I were connected or back when I was connected, like if I, you know, had some extra time, I would just, you know, go online, read articles, like, um, watch Netflix, like listen to like music or podcast or whatever. And like, I still do some of that stuff like music and all, but, um, when there's, uh, this sort of inability to even do that, it really makes you a lot more introspective because there's not much else you can do. (laughs) Um, it's both introspective and then also just getting to know those around you, um, which I think has been really valuable. I've met some really, really awesome people, um, in this program, really cool, strong people who have these amazing stories. Um, and so I think having that time to reflect sort of force yourself to reflect, 
um, has been really important in terms of just, you know, getting to know myself more um, and helping my future self in terms of sort of planning out where I might want to go after this or do after this and um, how I want to like live my life and what kind of lifestyle. So um, I think time has been the biggest thing that I appreciate about, about this program. And then on top of that, you just put in like the beautiful views and all of that. And um, it's overall just a really incredible experience. Well, I'm so glad that you and I were able to get connected and to talk about this because it's something that I probably wouldn't have uncovered uh, on my own and just wouldn't have crossed my path. Uh, and I also love that, you know, our paths are very similar, you know, prior to you making that jump. And I can think back at times in my life where there was a clear leap that needed to be made. And I, I look back on those moments, grateful that I was able to do that. And I am very confident that you will look back on your decision to make the leap and feel very grateful about it as well. The, and the past that it has led you to no pun intended, the past that has led you to, <laughs> uh, from there. And, you know, and of course, as always, thank you for sharing this story with, for, you know, our, our audience and listeners and people who, uh, are living with diabetes and are interested in not only the things that other people with diabetes are doing, but giving them confidence and hope that if they ha- want to have, want to be able to do something, uh, that's a little bit different than, you know, the, prescribed uh, sort of American Western way of life of going to school, going to work and then dying, uh, then (laughs) you can, uh, those options are available for them. And there are awesome people like you who are out there doing it. Yeah, absolutely. And thanks so much for this opportunity to share my story too. Um, Would love to, you know, I'm not nearly as involved in the the advocacy and diabetic community online as you are, but I'm really happy to be a resource for anyone. Um, I'm not sure if there's really that many IS Rudas <laughs> in the United States. So I'm sure you can, you know, Google or um, maybe we can share my, my handle or something. Yeah, I, I, I was going to say, I would love for you to plug your handle if you're open to it. Yeah. Um, so on Instagram, you can find me um, at Saruta, Sarutaya. So it's, it's pretty much my last name and first name. Um, it's, uh, I, should I spell it out? Maybe I guess, because it's, um, it's T-S-U-R-U-T. A-Y-A. So that's my my last name and my first name combined. Um, you'll see an account with a ton of outdoor photos. <laughs> um, so that's me. It should be public. But yeah, please reach out if anyone has questions about uh, the industry, uh, my decision, like how diabetes has played a role. And even like, you know, if you want to, if you've been meaning to do a long hike and feel uncomfortable doing that because of your diabetes, I'm more than happy to talk about some of my, my tricks that I use out here when um, we're not as close to uh, medical attention as we would like to be. Well, I definitely will include your links to your profile in the show notes. And, uh, and I know that people will want to reach out and, and talk to you as well. So uh, again, thanks so much for, for sharing your story and for going outside your normal uh, you know, routine when you're off of your hitch to, to get Wi-Fi and to talk to us. Uh, it was so great to meet you. And I look forward to uh, continuing to follow you and, and learn about your story and, and be connected. Awesome. Thanks so much, Rob. Thanks, Aya. All right. Hey, guys. I'm going to use this ad portion to create a little bit of awareness on something that's very cool, and it's put on by the American Diabetes Association. It's called hashtag health equity now, and you can search that on social media. It's the American Diabetes Association's new health equity bill of rights, that which provides steps to building a future without unjust health disparities. So you can actually go uh, and take action online. I did it. It's uh, if you go to diabetes.org slash health equity now, 
you can go and they pre-populate an email to your governor and they automatically do that. So no matter where you're from, you can go to diabetes.org slash health equity now and you can send the health equity bill of rights to your governor. So I did that. It sent to Governor Greg Abbott and it just outlines all the health disparities that people with diabetes, especially communities of color, face in the United States and that we want to vote uh, and we are creating awareness with our representatives to make sure that they try to change the legislation, provide more opportunities. Number one on that list is the cost of insulin. So if you have diabetes, you should take a minute and contact your governor. Uh, even if you're not in the United States, just put Texas because that's important to me, diabetes.org slash health equity now and check it out. 